Uh, good morning to everybody who's watching at home. Just before we dive into the message this morning, uh, just uh, another announcement just to add. Again, last Sunday was our small group launch, and lots of you were able to uh, sign up to be a part of small groups. We wanted to be able to highlight that again in case you have not had the opportunity. Maybe you missed last week, or maybe you felt so indecisive you didn't actually sign up for a group because you didn't know what to do. Uh, there's still an opportunity for you to do that. Again, go to eaglemont.info. You can look for the small groups tab that looks just like the picture that you'll see on the screen. Uh, click on that and it will give you a list of all the different groups that are there. You can hit the uh, sign up for a group uh, icon that's there and that will take you directly to a form that will sign you up for your group, give you all the information that you need. Again, so important during this season, Egomont family, that you are getting a part of community and connecting with others. As you're going through this season of minus 51 with wind chill weather, and being stuck in your house, which that's not a big deal today because I don't see any of us wanting to get out anyways, but still to have the opportunity to connect with others, to be encouraged, to be discipled in God's word, so important. So if you haven't yet, eaglemont.info, look for this, the small groups tab, join a small group, then hit the sign up for a group tab and you can sign up for your small group uh, today. Thanks so much for being a part of that. Uh, we're going to continue our series that we started, Pastor Jaden started last week, entitled One Kingdom Disciple. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on the topic of obedience. Now, as we discuss as Christians, we can too easily live in a two-kingdom world. So in other words, we have a genuine desire to follow Jesus. So that part of our life is dedicated to him. However, for various reasons, we can have a second kingdom that other part of our life that we really don't allow God into. Now, as was made clear last week, and as you're going to be hearing throughout the series, God has called you not to live a double life. Living a double life leads to anxiety, to doubt, to fear, to sin, and as the Bible explains, eventually to death. Through this series, each week we are focusing on an aspect of what it means to be a one kingdom disciple. And asking the Holy Spirit to help free us from the trap of living a double life. So again, today we're going to focus on the topic of obedience. And as I start, I'm just going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we take this moment. In a day that maybe has already been filled with distractions. Maybe a day that's been uneventful for some. And we're just waking up. For other of us, we've already had disappointments and challenges today. Today might already even be filled with grief. God, we take all those things that in our lives can take our attention. And we say over this next 30 minutes, God, can you focus our hearts on you? And Holy Spirit, is there something you're wanting to say to me today? Would you open my heart to receive that? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's unpack this concept of obedience. Now, this may not sound like the most interesting topic to you, and maybe you're watching online and you're not usually a person who goes to church and you're giving a chance today and you go, obedience, this doesn't sound like the one I wanted to get on. I wanted to get the, the sermon that makes me, you know, built up and sounds really nice, tells me how great I am. But I, I want us to work through it. This is an important concept for us to understand, and it's probably more than maybe what you associate with it. 
So let's break this down. Now, if you go by a dictionary definition of obedience, obedience means compliance with an order, a request or law or submission to another's authority. So for a follower of Jesus, the one in authority, of course, would be God, whose authority is total and unequivocal. So for the Christian, obedience means complying with everything God has commanded. Probably what you would expect at this point, okay? But I want us to unpack this concept. So this morning, we're going to look at three things to help us really grasp what obedience is and why it's so important for a follower of Jesus. First thing we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple misconceptions that can confuse us when it comes to obedience. The second thing we will do is talk about what obedience actually is in the life of a follower of Jesus. And finally, we're going to talk about what are the byproducts of a life that is obedient to Christ. So let's first look at some of these misconceptions, okay? We are all filled with misconceptions. Throughout the day, we have differing beliefs and understandings, and sometimes that affects how we uh, actually experience life. Chris Kruk last night had an expectation that the Oilers were going to run the flames out of the building, and it didn't happen. Well, just silence. Just silence. I won't say anything more. But there are two misconceptions in particular I want us to talk about obedience, when it comes to obedience, that can really be destructive and lead us down a dysfunctional path. The first is this. The idea that obedience equals sacrifice. Now, for some of us, this concept, these two things seem one and the same. And it's this type of confusion that can lead us to a man-made system of penance rather than the transformative power of the grace of God that is the very foundation of the New Testament. We see in 1 Samuel 15, if you have your Bible, feel free to reference these as I go through. Please do. In 1 Samuel 15, we see this clear differentiation. Samuel, who is a prophet of God. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what that is, in the Old Testament, there were prophets. And they would speak on behalf of God. In the New Testament era that we live in now, through Jesus, we have this direct communication in line with God. But at this time, in 1 Samuel 15, God often chose specific men that he would use to speak on his behalf to the people. Samuel was this man. And Samuel goes to the king of Israel, Saul. And he gives Saul clear instructions of what he's supposed to do as he goes into battle, as God directs him to go against this evil nation and defeat them in battle. And the thing that God told him to do was to destroy everything that they come into contact with in this battle from this neighboring kingdom. But Saul decides on his own that he would keep some of the good things, the livestock, the cattle, the sheep, that he would hold them back. And as Samuel meets up with Saul, he goes, what on earth? I hear sheep. What happened? You were given specific instructions of what God said to do. And, he, and Saul, of course, believes that he's justified. And he says, well, I'll use these sheep and I'll make a great sacrifice to God. And this is the response of Samuel. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt so offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying God? To obey is better than sacrifice. These are not the same thing. See, sacrifice is about doing to earn or to pay back. And it's an exchange of goods and services. In the Old Testament, the people of God would have offered sacrifices to help cover their sins. But now under the New Testament, under God's new covenant that God's made through Jesus, we no longer offer animal sacrifices to God, but Jesus has actually paid the price for our sin. There's no longer an exchange. Sacrifice is no longer needed. 
See, sacrifice is earning back, it's paying, it's an exchange of goods. But obedience, biblical obedience, is the natural response of a heart that has truly come in contact with the miraculous love and grace of God. Obedience is the result of one recognizing the superiority, the lordship, and the goodness of God. The truth is, is that this morning you really have nothing to offer God in exchange. You don't own anything he wants. And he doesn't want your payoff. He has no interest in your sacrifice. What he wants is obedience because ultimately what he wants is he wants your heart. So the first misconception is that obedience equals sacrifice. The second misconception is that obedience is conditional. Biblical obedience is not based on conditions. It is not based on what makes sense to you or what you believe to be right. The Bible is filled with those uh, characters who God asked to do things that made no sense whatsoever. Build an ark in the middle of a place that's dry land. Why would I build a boat here? But that's what Noah was asked to. Or for Moses, again, we know, for those of us who are familiar with some of these stories, we maybe get what God did afterwards. But at the time, Moses is asked to put his rod over top of the Red Sea as there's an army coming to, to slay his people. But he puts his, his, his rod out and the split, and seas split. We see the disciples oftentimes asked to do things that didn't make sense. With a couple of fish and some loaves, small loaves of bread, they're asked to start feeding a group of 5,000 people or 5,000 men, probably about 15,000 people. Doesn't make sense. They fish all night, can't catch anything, but Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. That would make no difference. But he wanted their obedience. Many of us, when it comes to our relationship and our connection with God, like to negotiate and have a conditional relationship with him. I'll do whatever you want, but do this for me in exchange. Or I'll do what you want, but you need to explain yourself and help me to understand first. Obedience is a radical submission to God. It is a loyalty to his kingdom and his lordship. So let's move into talking about what obedience actually is. And I want to pack these down into a couple different fragments to give us a full context and understanding of truly what obedience means. So when we look what obedience equals, the first thing obedience equals is love. John 14, 21 says this, those who accept my commandments and obey them, this is Jesus speaking, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. As you've heard, probably if you've listened to sermons here at Eaglemont for a while, love is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. Love is also not simply an expression or words. Love isn't simply saying, I love you, God. I want to serve you. Love in itself, is obedience. When we love God, our love for God actually equals obedience. Think of it this way. For those of you who are married, were the words that you spoke on your wedding day, the vows that you spoke, was that love? Or rather, is love the fact of how you've lived out the words that you've spoken to your spouse? The words themselves on their own are empty. 
But obedience is actually love. Secondly, obedience equals submission. Obedience is a submission of our will to that of God's. Again, as we talked about earlier in those misconceptions, obedience is not negotiation. It's not conditional acceptance. Obedience requires having one person in charge. One person who is given authority. Think of it this way. If you were in the military and you were, you were a soldier under a sergeant and being given instructions and that morning you were told you're going to march from here and we're going to march over there. That decision is not up for discussion and debate. You don't have the guys going, well, it's kind of damp out today. And really, what's the point of walking anyways? Like, really, we're not doing anything. Why would we just walk? We can hang here. We're going to gain our strength. So then when we're actually needed, we'll be ready and we'll feel stronger. That's not the discussion that happens. There's one person in charge, one person with authority. They give instructions and obedience is the other soldiers fall in line and do what they're told to do. See, obedience also equals a recognition of power and authority. You truly only obey someone because you recognize that someone else has the power or authority over you. We are not equals with God. Now, I know a lot of us get that, but there are times in our lives where we don't live that. We are not equal with God. Obedience is actually just the natural response of a true follower and one who truly recognizes the authority and power of God. I think oftentimes our disobedience, and I will make this personal, my disobedience to God, comes because while I've been told that God is great and you've been told that God's great, we don't actually comprehend it. We don't comprehend how great, how powerful, how all-knowing and how wise he actually is. We don't really grasp the idea of the sovereignty of God. That God actually pulls all things together and the things that don't make sense to me make sense to him. And that's all that matters. You are God and I am not. You are sovereign God. And part of my submission and part of, if you are a follower of Jesus, part of your submission to God and to God's authority is submission to those he has put into positions of authority. His lordship is not subject to my thoughts, my ideas, or my perceptions. This is why, kids, you don't really get the option. The Bible says you are to obey your parents. Now, there is an extension with that. If what they ask for you to do is contrary to God's word and instruction, then that's different. Parents, do we agree with that commandment? Yes. Okay, I've got nodding heads. Parents, we are also told that we're supposed to submit to the governing authorities in our country. Some of us don't like that one as much. But you do know that our submission is not subject to our beliefs or our perceptions on ideas, but that actually is a submission to God. Again, with the context of as long as it does not contradict the word of God. If we are disobeying parents or church leaders 
or government because we deem them not as smart or wise as we are. We are actually being disobedient to God. Again, the exception is when authorities go against God's clear instructions. That's the exception, not when we deem it poor or wrong, but when it clearly goes against God's word. Obedience is a recognition of power and authority in God in all life and his sovereignty in all of it, even the stuff that doesn't make sense to us. Obedience also equals trust. To really offer unconditional obedience requires trust. Trust in the character of the one you are actually responding to. A, that they know more. B, that they are pure. That they are loving. That they are wise. That they care. Trust is pivotal in obedience. And if we're being honest, there's a lot of us with trust issues in our lives. Now this morning, you, you may go, you may be watching online this morning, you may be here in person and you're going, yeah, listen, pastor, you have no idea what I've gone through in my life. You want me to trust God? You have no idea what he's allowed to happen to me. You have no idea the hurt and the pain that I have had to experience in my life. God's dropped the ball on me so many times. Trust issues don't simply show up in our lives. They are formed and they grow. Some of you have experienced pain in your past and it's formed a wall around you. It's a wall that does not allow anybody in and that includes God. You think that he knew what happened and if he really is all knowing and he's everywhere and he has all power, he just stood by and he allowed for you to go through that pain. How could you trust him? The only way I'm safe is if I'm in charge. I'm not trusting that. I'm not trusting my life with anybody else. To you this morning, I would say this. First of all, I hear you. And more importantly, God hears you. I want to challenge you. You do not know the grief that pierces the heart of God. As he watches the devastating effects of sin in our world. The effects of sin that have caused hurt and damage to you. That has caused hurt and damage to your family. To those close to you. And also to your enemies that that pierces the heart of God. Don't forget to pay for your sin. God had to watch his own son go through the excruciating pain of death, to go through the process of being mocked and whipped, to being ridiculed and shamed. It's why the Bible says we are to look to Jesus as our example. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, meaning God, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God does not run from your pain. He doesn't want you to either. If you will open yourself up, you will actually find him in it. 
the thing you need to grasp. He wants to meet you in it. Jesus tells a story of a prodigal son who asked for his father's inheritance, which would have been an insult to his father, to ask for his inheritance before his father even died and went away. And the Bible says he spent it on audacious living. He spent it on prostitutes, on booze. He partied and, and squandered his father's wealth to the point where he had, to, he had nothing and he began to eat pig slop. That father did not find joy in where that son was. Some of you, you feel like you're in that point of light and you go, God, you're just, you put me here, but you've actually done it through your own choices in life. And God doesn't desire you to be there. And he would love for you to take the approach of the prodigal son who came back to the father. And the father did not reprimand him and say, look what you did, look what you squandered and wasted. But we see this beautiful picture. As from afar off, the father sees him and he meets him and he embraces him in his arms because he loved his son. God wants you to meet him in your pain. The reality of your painful experience is not a testament of God's unfaithfulness, but of the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of your own life. You need to come and truly know the heart and character of God and allow him into all areas of your life to bring healing, wholeness, and freedom. Next, we see obedience is not part, but obedience equals all of my life. Growing up in a Christian home, I went to church all my life, but I had two distinct lives. I had my life that I lived at home and church, and I had my life that I lived with my friends at school. I talked differently. I made different decisions. I acted very differently. I had two different lives. Some of us do that in our lives today. We know that the way that we are on Sunday is way different than the way we are on Monday. You are not called and you are not made to live a dichotomy, to live two different lives. And when you do that, you will constantly feel the anxiety because you will never feel the wholeness that you were called to be. And this Sunday thing is going to feel more and more and more empty. And God's going to feel further and further and further away and just more and more irrelevant. But it's because he was never meant to be a Sunday God. He is an all or nothing God. This is not how we were meant to live. There is no such thing as partial obedience as the Bible and God defines it. It's either obedience or it's disobedience. You're not 90% obedient. It's obedience or disobedience. What is called for a follower of Jesus' obedience in all of our lives? Trust in the big decisions of life in responding to temptation, in setting priorities in every area of my life, in the pursuit of holy and righteous living, in our thought life, in our finances, in our careers, with our relationships, with those that we love and hold dear. You can't serve two masters, as Jesus said. God wants all of it. That's what obedience is. So finally this morning, I want to spend a few minutes and talk about what are the byproducts of obedience of being a Christ follower. First is this. You bring pleasure to God. You bring pleasure to God. If you've been in church for a long time, you've maybe heard about how David was a man after God's own heart. Acts 13, 22 says this. 
I have found David, God speaking of David, David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What made David a man after God's own heart? Just finish the sentence in that verse. He will do everything I want him to do. He will do everything I want him to do. David was obedient. Obedience is the highest form of worship. Maybe you associate worship with Pastor Brennan playing the guitar and singing here. But worship is so much more than that. Obedience is actually the highest form of worship there is. Obedience brings God pleasure and allows us to be used to help bring about his will for our lives and also the lives of those around us. For a follower of Jesus, there is nothing better than knowing you bring pleasure to the heart of God. The second thing that's a byproduct of obedience is the promises of God. Now, before you check out on me and believe and are waiting for the name it and claim it message, that's not what we're talking about here. But the promises of God often hinge on obedience. Bear with me as I want to explain this. Your obedience is not the door to God's promises. We don't do to get. We've already discussed this. That's a transactional experience and goes against the very foundations of the teaching of the Bible. Obedience, though, is a hinge to God's promises. God calls you to something. God does all the work to make it possible for you to be able to step through the door. But you choose to walk in to the fullness of God's promise. You see, we see this throughout the Bible. The Israelites were called to the promised land. They were promised to go to a man flow, land flow, not a man. Whew, that's a doctrine some of you might like. You can get a man flowing with milk and honey. Don't quote that. To a land flowing with milk and honey. Some chose not to obey, to not walk into the promise and didn't receive it because the gift was hinged, just like a door is on a hinge. The gift was hinged on obediently following and stepping into what God had called them to. See, God is ultimately in control. He is sovereign over all. But it doesn't mean he has made you to be passive in this life. He's called you to take radical steps of obedience. Some of you, God has called, God has spoken over your life and he's given you visions of what he's called you to, but it requires you to step out and obediently step towards that call. For me to be here this morning is not random, although it may seem like it. But when I was 17 years old, God spoke to me as I sat outside at a, at a youth retreat, and I was praying by myself, and God called me and told me that he wanted me to go to Bible college, which was not my plan. I was going to go in to be a sports broadcaster, but he told me to go to Bible college, and he told me that he was going to call me into ministry. I went to Bible college, and I went into ministry, and I was a youth pastor for years. And then in 2010, while I was a youth pastor, God told me to go back to school, which was not something I wanted to do and made no sense to me. And I spent thousands of dollars to go back to school, not to do a different job, but I knew he was calling me then to go back to be a pastor again. Before I came to Eaglemont, I was at a church where I, I could continue on there, but I knew that God told me I was done there. So I resigned without knowing where I would go. Some of you, God calls you to do things that make no sense and you don't have the answer yet. 
But part of the hinge is God wants you to take that radical step of obedience and he will make it clear. And the promises he has spoken, he will make come to pass. But he's still asking you to step out and to be obedient. And the receiving the promise hinges on you stepping out in obedience. God is going to ask you to take a radical step of obedience in your life without knowledge of how things are going to work out. The promises of God hinge on your obedience. Thirdly, the byproduct is we see an exchange of death to righteousness when it comes to obedience. Romans 6.16 says this, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves of sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Slave to sin, death, obedience, righteousness, or right standing with God, or life to the full. You see, obeying God changes me. It changes me eternally, but it also changes me here and now. It changes who I am. It turns me more into the man or woman of God that he's made me to be. God is more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. And if you are obedient, he will exchange the death in you for righteousness and life. Fourthly, we see the byproduct is freedom and the peace of God. John 8, 132, 132 sorry, uh, says this, If you hold to my teaching, Jesus said, You are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, when I'm obedient, when I actually submit to the will of God in my life, I'm no longer the one, the chief problem solver. I am no longer the one responsible to find all the solutions and fix every problem. My role is to trust, is to listen to the one who is greater and knows more than me. This builds a rest, a contentment, a peace. Finally, the byproduct of obedience to God in, the, in, a, in a Jesus follower's life is friendship with God. John 15, 14 to 15 says this, you are my friends, Jesus said this, if what? If you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. See, there is an intimacy that comes with God as we obey him when he speaks to us. Part of the natural byproduct is as you are obedient to the whisper of God, his voice becomes louder and clearer. But as you become disobedient to the voice of God, it becomes softer, harder to hear and harder to discern. You become when you are obedient, one whom God trusts. And with that, you have a more intimate relationship with him. Obedience helps us to draw close to God. John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Obedience to God is a loving response to God who made you and has a great purpose for you. And he wants you to experience fullness, life, and love in all of your life. He doesn't just want part. God wants you to open the ugly areas of your life. 
the areas where you still try to control, the areas of your sin that you still try to keep hidden, the stuff you never want to be put on the projector in front of everybody else to see. God wants you to actually open that, not keep trying to hide it or pretend it's not there. He wants to come in. He wants to transform you. Not by his condemnation, but by his love, by his healing grace. So church, can we just for a moment here, can we be honest? Can you be honest with yourself? What are the areas of your life that you are holding back? That it's obvious your obedience, your disobedience is showing. Maybe others don't notice yet, but you know it. Would you give that to him today? What has God been asking you to do, but you've refused to do? Because while you want him to be king of your life, you don't necessarily want to give him this part of your life to rule. You still want to be in charge of that. What would you give to him today? Would you take a step of faith? Would you trust him and honestly come to him? Can we stop trying to live the double life? To have one part Christian, one part me. And come to God who loves you and wants to, love, to lovingly lead you into what he's called you to be and to do. I'm going to ask both for you who are watching online and for those of you who are present, if you'll just close your eyes and pray with me as we close this morning. And Pastor Marlowe's going to come and share. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. So for those of us who have been living in a divided kingdom, in this moment right now, would you speak and make that clear? Bring clearly to our minds the things that you are pressing on. What right now is it that, God, you would want to speak to in my life? Lord, as you're speaking to individuals, I, I want to pray for those who are here or are online that perhaps have never had the opportunity or maybe have just never honestly taken that step to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want that relationship with God. I want to be one who has, who's after his heart, who God speaks to, who he trusts, I want to learn how to trust him and live for him. If that's you today, you could say a simple prayer like this to invite him in. Jesus, I believe in you. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin, my disobedience, where I've tried to be in control and in charge. It hasn't worked. I know I've done things against what you would want. Please forgive me. Help me to stop living the life I know I'm not supposed to. I want to live for you now. Make me whole. Speak to my heart so I can obediently follow you. For those of us who have maybe been praying and God's put something on your heart, I want to pray right now. God, for those things that you've pressed upon our hearts, Lord, we confess where we have wronged you, where we have sinned. God, where we have been disobedient. 
where we have lived a double life, where we have held secrets. And maybe we wouldn't wear this way, but we have not trust you. And we have really looked you, to you as being small and weak, and you're not. Can you help us today? Can you forgive us? Can you come into those areas, those hurts, those things in our past? Can you meet us there in our pain, in our weakness, and help us to obediently follow you today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.